listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I really appreciate you downloading, tweeting and commenting on iTunes, so thanks very much. I wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a group doing wonderful things for grassroots rugby. It's a charity called Buller Boots. They've been set up in the UK with the help of Ben Ryan, who coached Fiji to Olympic gold in 2016. Buller Boots are sending rugby boots and other items to the Sarua province, which is one of 14 provinces in Fiji, and are hoping to expand into other areas of the country as well. Currently, they can only ship out of the UK, so if your rugby club wants to donate some kit, I couldn't think of a better place for it to go. The Fijian community is incredible and so important to the game. On top of that, the sport of rugby owes them a lot, I feel, so please check out Buller Boots at www.bullerboots.com to arrange for a donation of boots, balls, and other kit to this great cause. I'll also put the link to their website in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again for listening, and go Buller Boots. Okay, welcome to episode number 59 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Dan Van Ziel. Dan played for the Springboks between 1997 and 2000, captaining the midweek side on various occasions. He also played both professional rugby and cricket in South Australia and the UK, uh, after which he moved to Ireland 16 years ago to start a career in coaching. Started working at Leinster 11 years ago in coach and player development, where he coached Leinster U18, U19, the women's teams, also involved with Irish youth and Irish universities, and is also a world rugby coach educator. He's recently started up a business called Rugby Academy Ireland, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So welcome, Dan. Oh, thanks very much for having me, man. Uh, I hope the sun is shining in Australia as it is uh, in, in Ireland. Yeah, well, I'm actually in Canada, so uh, no, beautiful day here, and uh, glad you're enjoying your, your four days of summer in Ireland. In Ireland. Yeah, I know you have to make make use of it because it doesn't happen often. <laughs> Beauty. Okay, well, we, we touched on it, the, your, your, your involvement with Springboks, and also a very unique one uh, in that you played both professional rugby and cricket. I think that's really cool. Um, what, what's a bit of a backstory on your on your playing? How did you get into the game and then progress from there? Oh, look, I, I, I started like like any uh, South African, you know, started at school and then uh, rugby was still amateur in those days. Um, but through amateur days, then it became professional, as you know, in, in 96. Uh, yeah. Played Super 12 then, as it's known now, Super 15. Uh, uh, represented the Bulls uh, and then Pumalanga Pumas and then moved to Cape Town uh, to play for Western Province and the Stormers. Right. And that was basically my South African career. Um, played against the 97 Lions, uh, became a Springbok, as you mentioned there, the same year, and played for South Africa between then and 2000, uh, captaining the mid side before moving to Bristol then. Right. Uh, that, that was, again, uh, probably how I ended up in Ireland at the end, but moved to Bristol on a short-term deal in 2001 after retiring home, and uh, then came over to Ireland in, in 2002. Uh, while playing the rugby, I was uh, playing professional cricket as well, and, and 
happened. He uh, played a cricket final on the Wednesday and then a Super 12 uh, game on, on the Friday night, something that I don't <laughs> think awesome. will, will happen very often now. No, that's great. What, what, were, you, what were you, a batter or a bowler in cricket? Uh, I was a uh, licorice all sorts, uh, <laughs> bowled, bowled a bit of off spin, but yeah. uh, never turned the ball, and that's how I got my wickets. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I batted about number seven and, and was uh, adequate fielder. So, so a bit of everything. So I played more, more one-day games than uh, four-day games um, because of that speciality. Yeah. Um, but no, really had a, a, had a good 10-year, 11-year career and still playing playing uh, first-league cricket over here in Ireland. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, the two go really well together and um, I think there's been great athletes in you know New Zealand, Australia and South Africa for, for cricket and rugby and you could see easily that they could transfer to both. Yeah, I think it's something that's going out of the game a little bit, you yeah. know, with early specialisation, yeah. something that I don't necessarily agree on because I do think the, the different change room atmospheres and the different skill sets that you have to, to learn and so on is good for, for all sports. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, and what about, uh, what about those first coaching experiences? You said you moved to Ireland uh, 16, close to 17 years ago. What did those first coaching uh, experiences look like and, and what were some of the, the key learnings that you took away from them? Um, yeah, no, it was quite interesting. played against Western Samoa on the Friday night and then found myself in Ireland on, on the Monday and did a first session on the Tuesday. And uh, the skill set, I must say, was, was a surprise to me. So um, they started the main coaching in uh, a place called County Carlo uh, in, in the sunny southeast of Ireland. At that stage, they were uh, all Ireland Division One, so the highest amateur uh, league that you can play in. Um, but learning early on was definitely that it's a lot tougher coaching and playing. Mm. Uh, and and as I was a player coach, it was to do as I say and not do what I do, uh, because obviously you're going to make a lot of mistakes and, and so on as well. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important learning uh, was to be honest, inclusive. And uh, a coach once told me it, and I, I sort of didn't believe it, but to be a good selector, I think, uh, is is to become a good coach. You know, um, if you're a good selector, I think you you're halfway there. So um, when I started coaching, I did a lot of drills, uh, as you do, uh, and thought, you know, you're a good coach by the more drills you knew. Mm. Um, but now with experience and so on, I've moved away from that over the years. And I would say my coaching has hugely improved, uh, as you would hope it would. Uh, but my philosophy about the game has always uh, stayed the same. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that leads us into the next question, like, uh, that's really an interesting transfer because it, it sounds very similar to mine, especially the uh, do as I say, <laughs> not as I do uh, piece there. That was uh, definitely part of my deal. Um, but yeah, moving from drills. Yeah, I mean, when, but... it, when, it, when it comes to fitness and, and so on, you know, you, you've got to be able to walk the walk as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah. because I think one, if you're a player coach and you just let other guys do the fitness and you stand back, you know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't create a good good atmosphere. Cool. Yeah. So what? So now, what's your philosophy in coaching look like when it when it when it comes to leading a team, and and how would that be expressed by you on on the practice pitch? 
Oh, look, my coaching philosophy, as I say, has always been um, pretty pretty similar to what it was, but I would say uh, it's to create an environment uh, where, firstly, I think, especially in amateur land, which, which I still coach every year, you know, it might be different in pro land, although I do think the enjoyment factor is, is hugely important, mm-hmm. you know. Agreed. But then as well, so, uh, and then as well to have players learn uh, and where they challenged through um, a questioning approach, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, and I would say more about the tactical awareness. So my philosophy will be uh, questioning players, challenging them uh, through their tactical awareness uh, through a game-based approach, you know. So yeah. more... Uh, where I used to be when I came to Ireland first, as I as I said, where it was 80% drilled and finished off with the game. It's now, you know, you you learn your technical skills through your tactical awareness. So mm. I would be 80% game-based and then 20% drills if you really want to hammer in on something, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and what's, what's your favorite part of the game to coach and and what's some of those go-to kind of games and activities that you like to like to do in that, that part of the session? Um, I am a bit of a dreamer, you know. I, I think rugby <laughs> is all about attack. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, you know, the old Kevin Keegan, uh, or was it Kevin Keegan that said, you know, they score three, we score more. <laughs> um, so, so I love coaching attack. Um, thinking of shapes, um, you know, there's a lot of systems now, but uh, I, I would be more inclined thinking of shapes and uh, options within the attack and how we can challenge defenders then um, making the wrong decisions, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would play a lot of uh, realignment and reactive games uh, where players need to think how and where they can be effective in the moment, uh, so that it's not uh, prescribed or, or pre-programmed. You know, um, it's it's they have to make a decision. Do they do they stand still where they are. Is it to follow the ball? Is it to form a second line of attack? Mm-hmm. And what will those decisions uh, be based on? And, and what will influence them? You know, either the the space available or uh, the pace of the ball or the defenders. Uh, itself so um it's high tempo uneven numbers games mm. uh where where i will make pitches bigger or smaller uh at any given time you know to to practice different skill sets or different things that i want them to be aware of um it might be that the attack is an advantage or in some cases defense um, so it's 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 quite quite varied, you know. And I focus a lot on transition plays and, and counter attack because yeah. I think uh, you know seventy five percent of the game is about that. And, and yet coaches spend a hell of a lot of time on first phase and structured play and, mm-hmm. and so on. And then when they get the ball, suddenly they they don't know uh, how to do it, you know. So there's a few few different. Um, games that that I play around that uh, but it's basically creating chaos mm. sometimes not even knowing myself what I want out of it <laughs> but seeing uh, trying to to see if players can uh, can adapt and come up with with solutions awesome yeah no that sounds great um, you know and it's amazing how our coaches will transfer from a really structured organized everyone in nice lines to 
total chaos and how how that I, I find that process fascinating in terms of coach development and the ones who actually get to that point uh, I, I think they really understand the game uh, deeply yeah and it's very interesting you know working with young players working with club players you know and, and young players is probably easier to influence you know club players and and players that's being coached a certain way find it quite difficult now, Absolutely. you know, because they want to be told what to do and how to do it, where I think the the how to coach has become a lot more important than the actual what to coach, yep. you know, because Agreed. most coaches knows the technical aspects mm. uh, around the play. Yeah, yeah, agree. Okay, and um, what, what's a bit of, for those who don't know, what's a bit of a description of the rugby landscape uh, in Ireland, especially around the Leinster region, which you're you're really familiar with now? Um, I would say Irish and Leinster rugby are, are very strong at the moment, you know, mm. and these are the four provinces, Ireland, mm. Munster, uh, Connacht and Ulster, um, but Leinster, you know, he, as shown now this year again, you know, is probably the leading province uh, within Europe. Absolutely. Um, there's a great, there's a great schoolboy system uh, where, you know, you've got your top six uh, or so private schools um, that's really strong, you know, Blackrock College and Michaels College who produces professional players all the time. Mm-hmm. But then underneath that, you've got a, a sort of a B-section school league that's very competitive and uh, and there's also a great club unpaid system, you know, that produce good youth players. So in mm-hmm. Ireland, we've got two setups. Uh, we've got a school system and a, and a club system. Uh, the club system is is there for the guys that play GAA, uh, hurling and, and, and football mm-hmm. and other sports and uh, they don't have rugby programs within their school so they get rugby once a week and, and then and then play on the club. But again, over the last number of years because of the, the coaching and, and so on that's really improved, um, a lot of those players have come through, Joey Carberry, Tyke Furlong, uh, you know, Sean O'Brien was probably one, uh, Shane Morgan was one of the first, and then Sean O'Brien followed. So there's a lot of those club players now uh, stepping up. So uh, the other provinces will argue that uh, it's because Leinster have the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, I do think it's because the coaching uh, is at a very good standard, you know, and there's very good uh, buy-in from the senior setup with Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen mm. and so on into what the domestic game, as we call it, uh, do. Um, so uh, there's very good interaction and, and so on. So I think uh, Irish rugby is in really good health. Uh, you know, watching the 20s last night, just losing to France probably was a bit unlucky, but uh, every national team as well, uh, whether it's women's or 18s, 19s, 20s, have probably more than 60% Leinster players mm. uh, in those squads. So I think that's that's sort of a reflection where, where Ireland and uh, and Leinster is for this uh, at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, the Leinster Academy's got to be right up there with the best in the world. You know, people often compare Crusaders Academy to to it as well. What's what, how, what's, what's I suppose not the secret, but what's uh, what's some of the key things that make Leinster Academy so successful and how, how do they link with those those private schools and clubs to really, you know, target those best best young players and bring them through? 
Yeah, no, that that is a challenge. And I mean, Scott Robinson was over here from the Crusaders a couple of years. You know, I know Leinster coaches go go over there with uh, with the Crusaders, and and um, it's the Leinster academy is just you know the dead start that the guys have. I think it's it's uh, second to none. You know, yeah. like they have the top player playing, say a rock guard, he's playing fullback, and then they have a dead start of the next eight to ten fullbacks coming through, you know, and some might still be at school and so on. So it's really knowing knowing their players. Mm-hmm. And obviously they can only produce uh, or bring through so many, but I think through the Leicester Sub Academy and so on, you know, there's something like 65 or 75 players wow. playing elsewhere that professional that's come through the Leicester Sub Academy, you know. So it's um, it is a good... It's it's a good place to work for because you know you, the next player is just there, um, where the other provinces and other places probably have to search harder for for those players. But uh, that brings pressure in itself, you know, to, to make sure you pick the right guys. Yeah, yeah. And what about what about managing players' time, playing time, especially when they're in high school and and juggling academics as well? An academy athlete with Leinster, who's also at their high school, say at Blackrock. How how would that how would that um, kind of look like to make sure that the players' health and their academics are you know paramount and that you're managing the the training load and the game time? It's actually the, the school system, as I said, is is very good, you know, and, and uh, there's a, a guy in charge uh, that that deals with. Um, the school coaches and the club coaches to to look after that. Mm-hmm. But we're lucky in, in Ireland that, uh, you know, most of the provincial coaching and games take place during the summer. Okay. So we or the, the, the staff members of Leinster will get the top school players in uh, the last week in June and then train them uh, July, August, and then the interprov- interprovincial series uh, takes charge in September, oh, right. and then the national teams get elected. But so it doesn't really have a great effect on mm-hmm. schools because they go back to their school environment in September and then uh, play there throughout the whole year. So um, the the Leicester Academy staff uh, would get their hands on the players during. Uh, half-term breaks or Christmas breaks or right. summer breaks and, and, and so on. So it actually works very well in that sense that the kid is not taken out of his um, natural habitat, you know, like he'll, he'll still have his normal school day and uh, and so on. All right. And what, what about your day-to-day roles when you were with Lancer? You were there for 11 years as coach and player development. Um, what 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 did your kind of day to day week by week look like? I started off in 2007 uh, as a as a regional development officer, uh, which uh, had responsibilities throughout throughout the province. But mm-hmm. that developed into a, a coach development role in in 2009, um, and the role started off being something, but the workload uh, increased massively <laughs> as the game just. Uh, became more popular and better, you know, as as you can imagine, you know, mm. like in Canada, for instance, girls rugby and women's rugby has been at the forefront for for a number of years, you mm. know, but Ireland over the last number of years 
has really started that that process. So that increases workload and so on as well. Um, but I was mostly responsible for uh, coach education uh, at all levels uh, in a specific area, the metropolitan, which will be the Dublin area, um, and basically looked after 23 clubs and, and 10 schools uh, on their coach education, whether you're coaching a, a six-year-old or whether you're coaching a 13-year-old or whether you're the, the senior coach of the club. Um, I had to make sure that there's coaching courses for you um, to identify coaches that can coach at a higher level. Yeah. Um, a credit that those coaches then, so guy goes on a coaching course, I had to, to make sure that this accreditation process uh, gets done. And then you act as a mentor for them after, you know. Right. Um, keep, keep giving that that support uh, and so on. And, and basically it was to offer schools and clubs a support base uh, to their already existing coaches and uh, and coaching structure. So that was one half of the job, and the other half was uh, player development, which uh, um, was to identify players around about the age of, of 15, as I say, bring them into our summer programs mm-hmm. and uh, identify them, develop them, and then coach them and mentor them and hopefully then, you know, they become links under 20 players or like John and Lamar now, the new kid on the block mm. uh, and so on. So it was basically spotting talent and a lot of time changing uh, a kid from one position to a next, uh, you know, all in the course of to play for Leinster. So even going out and watching a 16-year-old, you're thinking where can he fit into the into the conveyor belt, um, you know. So, uh, and that and that that had a lot of time. And as I said, then the women's game also came along. So um, it, it it's quite thorough. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, it sounds like a, a pretty pretty awesome role, but a pretty <laughs> pretty busy one, no doubt. <laughs> and, um, you know. Yeah, no. Look, it, it, it puts pressure on other on other ways of life, you know, mm-hmm. because you you're out every evening, you know, you're out. Basically, in the mornings you you do your admin or set up your meetings, and in the afternoons you know you're out coaching, and in the evenings you you're assessing coaches and and going to clubs and so on, you know, and then weekends it's the same. So so that has its toll on on family life and, and all yeah, of that at the sure. stage. Mm. Um, but as I say, you know, there, there's plenty of highlights that you can look that I can look back on, uh, you know. Working with all these Irish players that's coming through now at 16 and 17 years of age, that gives you real satisfaction, you know, mm-hmm. that that you were there at the at the start of sort of the the development tree, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then the coaching interpro side. Uh, we were working with St Mary's University uh, and Chelsea Football Club on coach education, and now the soccer guys do it, and they still like you as a head of of rugby, you know, um, as a professional sport, but uh, those are all great uh, highlights and, and learnings that uh, to take from it, you know. Alright, great, awesome. Well, before we get on to your new project, um, Ireland heading down to Australia for the, the, the June test window, that's that's going to be a cracker. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? They're taking a, 
a full, fully loaded team, and Australia's had a, a rough period over the last few months, uh, or last couple to, um, international seasons. Uh, what, what are your what are your expectations and thoughts on that tour? Oh, look, it, some people might have been surprised, uh, you know, that Ireland took a fully loaded team. Mm. Uh, but I think that's the, the nature of, of Joe Schmidt, yeah. you know, as he develops players within the young players within the system, but he won't just throw young guys out there, you know. Uh, he gives them experience with playing with uh, the the trust and, and known guys. Mm. Um, and so and I think Irish rugby, um, if a Lions team had to be picked this June, it would have been interesting to see how many Irish lads and, and even Leinster lads would have uh, yeah. probably been on that. So I think um, Ireland has picked a very strong team. Australia is going, as you said, through through their things. Up. Um, but then again, it's very difficult touring there. Um, and the, you know, different uh, circumstances and so on. But I would say uh, Ireland 2-1 uh, yeah. in the series. That, that would be my prediction. That's that's kind of where I'm leaning to. I, I think uh, I think Australia's always going to be strong uh, internationally, except when we seem to play the All Blacks. Uh, we always get one one decent run against them, but uh, two two uh, blowouts it seems. Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be a cracker. Actually, I think uh, it'll be closer than than some people think. So a lot of people back home are uh, riding the Wallabies off, but I, I don't think it's going to be like that. And I, I think two one Ireland. <laughs> Uh, would be, would be yeah, but it problem. can easily it can easily be two one Australia. Sure. You know, I think yeah. Checker is also a very good coach, and yeah. all the success that Lenza has is actually going back to to East Asia. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's right on. he's also a lot of similar traits. You know, hard nosed. You know, mm. uh, very thorough. Uh, you know, players like him. You know, so a lot of what Joe Schmidt has, mm. uh, Checker has as well, and and you can see that. Uh, coming through in the teams and both coaches always come up with a starter play that beats the defence, you know. Mm. Um, and that, that's one thing. I think they're both good good analysers of uh, oppositions as well. So so I'm intrigued, as I said, being attack coaches, how they're going to break the, the difference defences down, and especially our first phase. Mm. Um our first phase attack, you know, where, where the weaknesses might be and so on. But it's certainly going to be a series to um, to look forward to. Yeah, no doubt. I'm um, pretty excited. All right. Well, um, you uh, you recently uh, moved on from your, your Leinster role and have gone into private industry and you're starting up uh, Rugby Academy Island. What was the impetus of starting up a venture uh, such as a, a, a private academy like that? Yeah, well, it's nerve-wracking <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because no I've always been in, uh, always been in professional sport, and then being involved with an organisation like Leinster, you know, and you know what you're going to get at the end of the month and so on, and and now that just doesn't happen. <laughs> so it's my my first uh, introduction to business, but so far really enjoying it. But um, just back to your question, you know, about the the input, uh, impetus. Uh, it was because of the reasons uh, mentioned already um, that there are so many players now uh, that is good enough to play pro rugby, but mm. uh, because of perception of one coach um, at a certain time or through injury 
or through lack of maturity at a certain age, uh, you know, they don't get the chance again. Yeah. Um, there's many players in, in the All-Ireland League here uh, that is probably better than pro players, but they didn't get the chance uh, at the right time. Mm. Um, you know, one player will play Lens under 18s uh, because one coach believes in him and then he goes to Lens under 19s where a different coach has a different view and then suddenly the guy doesn't play and then he's out of the picture. So um, it's for some of those reasons. Uh, you know, teams get picked uh, over year on the year and now and not necessarily on, on future promise that a player might have mm-hmm. because it's important to, to get results uh, straight away with, with uh, under-18 internationals, 19s, all, all of that. Um, and I think it's also that we want to improve uh, players' training age by having the academy where a player can achieve in one year with us what he will probably achieve in, in four years at Clubland, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's to offer the players that, that opportunity to be coached, trained the same way with probably a little bit more personalized support mm-hmm. uh, than what guys in academies get because they, they're looking at team structures and who's the next guy that's going to fit into the, to the mainstream. Our academy is more for the individual himself, you know, to try and improve him. Um, and then it is a very successful model in the Southern Hemisphere uh, where it's been going for 15 years, you know, Rod Kafer has got Rapid Tech in, in, in Australia, yeah. inside running in New Zealand. Uh, and uh, we've partnered up with them actually now. And then there's loads of them in, in South Africa, you know, and all the provincial academies actually in South Africa um, works on this uh, or follows the module that, uh, that we're thinking of, you know. Um, so we think with a number of players, the standard of the game, and the high level of ability that they are, they are players that's been missing the system, and and we want to give them a, a chance to to have a second chance. Yeah, that's great. I think I think there's definitely definitely room for that. You'd think with the the landscape that's just around Dublin alone, and no doubt like the business model caters for individual players, but also like touring teams or schools and things like that. Yes, no, uh, definitely. You know, we, we obviously uh, our model is uh, a full time academy, but uh, we we do all sort of all sorts of uh, different programs. Um, and then you know, for touring sites coming here, they can book in for two days or three days in the in the high performance center, and uh, you know, we'll we look after them. Oh, that's great. And um, when when do things kick off? Pretty soon this week, I, th- I believe. Yes, yes. Well, uh, we're opening our doors actually uh, for the full time academy on the first of September. Um, but we have a coach educating course uh, that we run the last week in August uh, for aspiring uh, senior cup players uh, and junior cup players and coaches. You know, where we get some of Ireland's top coaches in. Uh, that will act as tutors, and we also have an event uh, with Business for Sport during that week, which brings all uh, coach connections together. Uh, but we're kicking off this weekend with our first of four open days, oh, great. Uh, planned between now and, and September, uh, where people can book and come see our facility, and uh, while we answer any questions uh, they might have uh, around the facility. So, 
So um, spending time to, to get everything in, in, in place for that. Uh, as I say, tomorrow we've got our first people uh, coming across to, to have a look. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, uh, that's pretty exciting. And a, a team arriving, like a, you know, a, a touring team, like a high school coach wants to bring, bring his team over for an island experience or, or someone who's based there already. What what that you you mentioned two days three days what what would that look like what what kind of uh, process would that what those teams go through? Um, they go through whatever program uh, their coaches want. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes coaches just want to come and and be in a different environment and coach their teams themselves. Yeah. Other times they'd like to use um, other coaches. You know, and and specified coaches on 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 uh, certain areas and that's certainly through the coaching um, that we do and the coaches that we have available for us and coaching in our academy we we can certainly offer them uh, any aspect of the game we can get them uh, close to the top guy in Ireland for that matter mm-hmm. um, and then gym facilities you know the Kilashi Hotel where we based um, Unreal uh, gym facilities, you know, with hydro pool, spa pool, um, you know, all the newest uh, equipment around. Uh, so all of the SNCs, strength and conditioning, uh, they do on on site. Uh, the mental side of things, the mental capacities. We've got uh, mental coaches. Um, Everything that you, bioanalysis, you know, self-reflection, um, we do probably not for a touring side, but in our program is career guidance as well for guys not sure what they're going to do. But for a touring team, it's basically to come uh, train twice a day, gym sessions in between, recovery through, you know, we've got Pilates, we've got uh, yoga, we've got, as I said, a hydro pool, wow. state of art. Uh, inside pool and all of that so it's uh, and then it's uh, on Kilashi uh, there's a forest you know where guys can do forest runs we link into the to the uh, Kara the, the army guys which come and do team enhancement uh, with sites so there's really not much that they won't get <laughs> that's great it sounds awesome um, <laughs> yeah and so so people I'll put all the the website information and your email address and everything on the show notes so people can look there. But if people wanted to get in contact you, what personally, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, best way is probably uh, through email yeah. or, or then, you know, which is dan at rugbyacademyisland.ie. Okay. Um, and then it's also my, my phone number is uh, plus 353 uh, Three zero double six. Um, you know, so um, no, we're very excited about it. Um, teams can can expect to be part of of a high performance center of excellence using expert advice uh, and knowledge then of the academy personnel. Um, but you know, our main our main aim is to get that one player that missed out for various reasons and try and put him on on a professional path again. Okay, awesome. Uh, sounds like sounds like great work, and you know, I've got no doubt it'll be a success. So uh, all the all the best with the the venture. And tomorrow's a big day, so uh, 
Hopefully you're getting an early night's sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's, it's all, as I say, it's all, it's all exciting times, you know, right. first time being involved in, in something like this. But it is, you know, it's not just taken out of the hat and, okay, let's do this, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of thought has gone into it. Mm-hmm. It is successful in the in the Southern Hemisphere. We feel the opportunities now here with Northern Hemisphere rugby in the state mm-hmm. uh, that it is and, and other players not getting that opportunity. And then it, it's also about partnerships, uh, linking up with, with other uh, academies like ourselves, as I said, about inside running and so on, where we can send guys there, they can send guys here, and you get to know different cultures while playing rugby, you know. And even that, that's, about. that's one of our things for for the guy that's not a pro professional player, because you know yourself, it only happens to a handful. All right. Well, we, we always end the show with the same final four questions. When you were a kid growing up in South Africa, who was one of the players that you really looked up to uh, and admired that got you got you really interested in the game? The one that every other province in South Africa hated and <laughs> New Zealanders and Australians hated, but it was not. <laughs> it was not Brita, yeah. um, famous South African, famous South African fly out, you know, yeah. which played in New Zealand in the mud and uh, as only could have been in the eighties. And um, he, his shorts was white, white, white after the game. <laughs> So, but he was a year off mine. Yeah, he scored some points there, didn't he? He, he racked he up. Did, yeah, did, and, he, and, he, and he managed to do it without, without tackling. That's <laughs> <laughs> great, isn't it? <laughs> awesome. Okay, and what, what about now? Who's, uh, who's some of the players you really look up to and, or like watching run around on the field today? Yeah, it, it, it probably changes from time to time, but I, I would say Conor Murray at the moment. Yeah. You know, being a scrum off myself, of mm-hmm. old, um, just his consistency, you know, and uh, he just never seemed to play a bad game. You know, teams play well with him in there and there's not one aspect that you can say is a weakness. You know, he's just so consistent. And for me, you know, not just the best nine in the world, but pretty close to the best player there, you know. Yeah. Um, so he'll be one uh, because of consistency. You just have to love James Lowe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the new links, the winger, and I. I mean, I followed him when he played for Waikato and so on, and he's just—he's what track is about. Yeah. Smile on the face. Yeah, okay. You know, you make mistakes. Doesn't matter. Carry and score a try, win the game, and enjoy the <laughs> the night. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. He's great to watch, and yeah, and Conor Murray, he's he's got a rugby brain on him too. I think um, uh, the quarterfinal, I think, for the the European. Cup this year, uh, where he, he scored that cheeky try with the, the knock on at the base of the ruck. There it just shows how how well he understands the game as well. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you actually think already now will be a top coach. Yeah, because exactly yeah, of what you mentioned there. You know, he, he's just got such a good understanding of of the game and the people around him. You know. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And what about coaches? Who are some of the high profile coaches you you uh, you like what they're doing? Um, never been coached by him, met him once, uh, but Wayne Smith, you know, yeah, I think he's yeah. every, every coach's idol, yeah. you know, just his, his philosophy, uh, his values, all of that, and how he brings that through into his team, just a real honest guy, uh, you know, that demands a lot from his players, but, you know, there's respect everywhere, and also a thinker of the game, and I think every guy... 
you know, even in the All Black setup, you know, Graham Henry, when he was head coach, Steve Hansen, you know, they, they all say that they wouldn't have been as successful uh, without Wayne, you know. And uh, I, I just, I saw him play uh, for the Cavaliers back in 1986 in South Africa. He was that type of player as well. Yeah. And, and he's that sort of innovative coach that just seems to be always uh, ahead of, of, of the chasing back, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but... but uh, Keith Metcott would have been a guy that, that coached me. Uh, now he's a cricketer, played cricket for England and through my cricket world uh, coached me. And for me, he was the best coach wow. in, in all the sports that I did. Um, just again, similar to that, you know, innovative, you know, but very honest, you know, uh, which I think sometimes lack in in coaches, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I He's, he's over in England, I think, and, and uh, I think he's he's one that that uh, England cricket uh, should have should have uh, spent more time in. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. And what about uh, last question? What about uh, someone in the grassroots around your your part of the world that's uh, doing good work and deserves uh, recognition? Yeah. No. There's uh, a few few youngsters coming through. I, I'm lucky enough to coach with one guy that. Uh, uh, says he's going to be Ireland's coach when he's 30. He's okay. only 18 now, um, <laughs> but he's really he's, he's 18 going on 28. Great. Uh, a guy called uh, a guy called Joe Walsh. Okay. Uh, who's really again uh, very good uh, knowledge, you know, very good uh, analysis uh, and all of that, you know, and and I'm uh, really excited about uh, seeing him coach uh, or in action. Uh, now this year, but he's he's one of the youngs, and then um, you know Owen Sheriff, who played for Links and Saracens, he's just started out his his coaching career. He's one of the coaches on on our academy, but uh, yeah. you know people that's been coached by him already speaks very highly of him. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. All right, Dan. Well, it's been great chatting with you. I've really enjoyed it. Um, can't can't wait to hear more news about Rugby Academy Ireland. I'm sure. Uh, Sure, everything's going to go really well, and uh, it's, a, it's going to be an awesome product. And really appreciated your insight into uh, the machine that is Leinster Rugby and uh, how they do so well. And uh, thanks again for giving up some of your time to talk. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. And yes, no, if we if we can get any any Canadians uh, over, you know, that would be great. Yeah, you you, you might get me next summer, so we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, we've we've uh, we, we've got place for you. All right, awesome, <laughs> cool. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. Also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.